It's the Power Hour LSU podcast. Let's go! Did LSU dodge two ballistic missiles in the coaching industry? Yes. And I'm telling you, the biggest victory over the weekend wasn't in Baton Rouge. It was in College Station and in South Bend, Indiana. And today, I am looking at you. Imagine if I am sitting right next to you right now. I want you to put yourself into the shoes of Scott Woodward, okay? Because what we are about to go through, this journey, all of us together, is perspective. And it's very important to think of the long term when it comes to LSU football. Now, before I continue, I understand that there is so much that we have to talk about involving the history of the Southern Jaguars program. There is so much to celebrate. I go back to something Jared, uh, one of our loyal PHL patrons, brought up right at the beginning of the live stream. It, it felt kind of bad blowing out Southern the way that we did, right? Because it has, it, it honestly had as much to do with Southern making mistakes um, than it did with us playing unbelievably well, right? And we did play well, and it did feel good. Brian Kelly getting his first win. And it did feel good seeing B.J. Ojolari hand him the game ball. And it did feel good that people like me, my auntie, a lot of you got to know her um, as I did a lot of my shows this week from her house, the smoothies, the love. She was a proud Southern Jaguar graduate, and she was able to go to the game with my dad and my mother, and she had the time of her life. There is so much to celebrate the bands and all of that, but really, once again, you are Scott Woodward. You need to celebrate what didn't happen and what actually did happen because what could have happened is Jimbo Fisher very well could have been the head coach of the LSU Tigers. And in case you missed it, he had the most embarrassing loss versus Appalachian State at home. Okay. Now, once again, we don't know for sure what actually happened in the LSU coaching search. We have no idea if Woody offered Jimbo Fisher the job, if he even contacted him. Maybe some of you do know. We'll never really know. But if you've followed me, and I did a deep dive on Jimbo Fisher when LSU was going through the coaching search, and I shared some yards per play data, right? And yards per play to me is a good basic stat, but it is a little bit more advanced than some of your other basic stats. And basically, Jimbo Fisher's offenses, in a nutshell, are very archaic, right? And it reared its ugly head versus Appalachian State in the worst way imaginable. The last four recruiting classes under Texas A&M, none of them have been worse than seventh. And Appalachian State had never had a recruiting class inside the top 50. So the fact that Jimbo lost this game and his record through, what is it, 60 or so games or whatever the number is, is actually, is actually worse than Kevin Sumlin's record, you should be ecstatic. Once again, you're Scott Woodward. And honestly, you just as an LSU fan, you should feel very glad that this man who cannot call plays and cannot manage a game, his timeout management at the end of the game was even beyond pitiful. Um, as much as bad as his play calling was, that was probably even worse. And look, their quarterback, Haynes King, did miss some open throws, but so did Appalachian State. And the truth is, now this program is going to rely more than likely 
on Max Johnson to be their savior. And Damian Craig is their quarterback coach. This whole thing is just a disaster right now in College Station. And be very glad you dodged that bullet. Now, I have no idea if Brian Kelly is going to work out at LSU. But imagine if you are Scott Woodward and this entire week you are being told, hey, you should have hired Billy Napier and Brian Kelly just coached the worst game in his career. And guess what? The second part was probably true. That was one of BK's sloppiest games as a head coach, but it was also his first game. And this is why I wanted to do this podcast because on the actual YouTube channel, It is so micro, right? It's film studies. It's the day-to-day. It's a lot of those things. But here, I want to take a look at the grand scheme of LSU football. And quite honestly, uh, the narrative around the Billy Napier thing is a lot different now because he didn't coach his best game versus Kentucky. And I'm not going to break that game down too, too, too much. I did rewatch quite a bit of it uh, for my Power Hour SEC channel. But truth be told, Billy was rough. He got outcoached by Mark Stoops uh, yesterday in a home game where he was a six-point favorite. So, truth be told, don't do the Billy Napier thing again. (laughs) Look, I I think Billy's actually going to do really well in Florida, but, you know, for Scott Woodward, the the Jimbo Fisher thing didn't happen. You don't have to hear any more Billy Napier uh, rumors, but honestly, the biggest dodge bullet of them all is something a little bit more practical, right? Because truth be told, Jimbo Fisher was never probably going to take this LSU job with how sweet of a deal he has at Texas A&M. But I wanted to talk about the biggest one, Tommy Reese, okay? Notre Dame offensive coordinator who Brian Kelly wanted to hire at LSU to call the plays. And Tommy Reese turned him down. Okay. Now, this might be the first time you've ever heard this name. If you don't follow the day-to-day, because look, Tommy Reese turned the job down at LSU relatively quickly. And LSU was able to get Mike Dimbrock, who a lot of you know, actually do like a lot. I don't think he's a top three play caller in the SEC, but I think he's pretty good. And, you know, he works well with Brian Kelly and he's very experienced. Tommy Reese isn't experienced. And you know, I've brought this up a, a few times about Tommy Reese. His offenses are clunky, and I do believe his rise in the coaching ladder had everything to do with Brian Kelly. So Tommy Reese was a quarterback under Brian Kelly. He was really BK's first full four-year quarterback at Notre Dame, right? And After his playing career was over in 2014, he spent a year at Northwestern as a graduate assistant. He spent a year at the Chargers as an offensive assistant. And he spent three years as the Notre Dame quarterback coach and then got promoted to the offensive coordinatorship in 2020. And since then, 2020, 2021, he had a few good games under Brian Kelly. Um, If you know me, you know how fluky I thought the Notre Dame 2021 season was. Um, They got very lucky that the other team had a bunch of very convenient injuries to their quarterbacks, which made their schedule very lopsided. But truth be told, Tommy Reese was okay as an offensive coordinator. This is a guy who is only 30 years of age. And 
by staying at Notre Dame with the defensive head coach under Marcus Freeman, he was able to have more autonomy. Marcus Freeman is a defensive-minded head coach, and Tommy Reese is running the offense. It is entirely him. And I watched a good bit of the Notre Dame versus Marshall game. Their offense looked abysmal, and it's not for a lack of talent. I think Tyler Buechner is an okay quarterback, but they have Michael Mayer, the best non-SEC tight end probably in the country, and their offense looked bad. They looked really, really, really bad versus Marshall. Now, Coach Huff and Marshall, really good team. You know, Coach Huff is a saving disciple. He's a, he's a good head coach. Uh, but you should never be losing to Marshall. And this is just a memo, and I won't get into it. I got into it a lot in our live streams. Uh, Notre Dame fans, don't talk you-know-what until you actually win a game under your new head coach, right? Because now you're 0-3. You've only had one good offensive performance in the three games that you've played, and those two bad offensive performances happen in these first couple of games, right? Ohio State, good team. You're on the road. You only scored 10 points. It's still bad. And then you do this versus Marshall with good talent. Be very lucky Tommy Reese isn't your offensive coordinator. I honestly think he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I, I, I really don't. I think Marcus Freeman is in over his head, and I want—I I like young coaches getting these opportunities, and I have nothing against Marcus Freeman, and a lot of Notre Dame fans are going to take this as sour grapes, but ask any LSU YouTuber. Um, I, I've gotten so many messages from, from just visceral Notre Dame fans unsolicited for no reason, just telling me how big of a failure Brian Kelly is going to be Worry about your own problems before you start coming at LSU fans and LSU YouTubers and so on and so on. But the truth here is Tommy Reese is the more practical bullet dodged than even Jimbo Fisher. And as an LSU fan, you should feel very happy that that's the case, right? I know a lot of people complained about Mike Dimbrock's play calling versus uh, Florida State. Go look at our offensive film study, and I guarantee it, you will have a different opinion, right? I would have done a few things differently, but for the most part, plays were there to be made. We just couldn't protect it. And then when he shortened the play calls and he shortened the progressions and he quickened things up, we got even better in the second half of that game. So maybe Denbrock turns out to not be that good of a play caller as we get an SEC play. We don't know that, but I guarantee you, 30-year-old Tommy Reese would not have been able to handle the Baton Rouge heat of being an offensive play caller, right? Um, there is a lot of LSU fans out there that is very tough on offensive play callers in particular because we still have those residual effects of toss-dive. Huh? Ah, ah. So, you know, at this point, Notre Dame should just bring back a fullback, run the triple option, do something, uh, because Tommy Reese is not good. And you, as an LSU fan, should feel very excited about that. Now, I know Reese isn't the head coach, but do you know how difficult, let's just say Reese was a disaster this first year in Baton Rouge. Do you know how hard it would have been for Brian Kelly to fire Tommy Reese, who Honestly, I don't know if he would be able to get a job, at least a good Power 5 job, if he were to get fired because he's only really been at Notre Dame. So, you know, I, I know it looks like I'm piling on this young man, but if he had gone to LSU and he sucked, which I think he would have, it would have been hard for BK to let him go. If Mike Dimbrock stinks, well, BK's already fired him once. Dimbrock has already made multiple millions of dollars 
um, as a head, uh, as an OC. And Dimbrock is really well respected as a tight ends coach and offensive line coach. He would have five, at least five power five coordinator, or I, let me put it this way, five high level power five position coach jobs at either tight end or offensive line lined up for him. But as for Tommy Reese, if he were to get fired by LSU, I don't know who exactly would pick him up, right? And this is a classic example of moving out of your parents' house for the first time, right? How many of you have been through that? Are you go to school and then you move back in with mom and dad and then you're out in the real world on your own and you're paying your own bills and everything's just kind of piling up and Tommy Reese just quite frankly wasn't ready to move out of daddy's house and daddy's house here was, it was Brian Kelly. But now remember... You're Scott Woodward, okay? You are the athletic director of LSU. And now, <laughs> I, I really hope you envisioned yourself. You had one of those fake Oculus Rift things, whatever, and you had the goggles on, and you were Scott Woodward. You turned into uh, a 5'8", curly-haired, Catholic high graduate, vineyard vines wearing, <laughs> whatever he wears. I, I don't know how athletic, how athletic directors dress, um, but your penny loafers are on now off, and you are looking like your regular self, okay? Now, let's go through together all of Scott Woodward's W's from over the weekend, okay? You dodged the two big bullets, right? Tommy Reese, Jimbo Fisher, we talked most about that. We also mentioned Billy Napier. You don't have to hear another full week of Billy Napier nonsense. And now, your team not only won, but in this rental win you sold the joint out. And I know we started the episode off saying, well, you know, it didn't feel great that we blew Southern out. But you know one thing Southern got? And honestly, this is one way to uh, make everything feel better is a big, fat check. Why did it take so long for this game to happen? I'm super excited about Grambling next year. And I do think it would be wise for LSU to play in-state non-power five schools every year and let's be honest for me it may not be for you i enjoyed the hbcu component because i guarantee you this week a lot of lsu fans got to learn more about the history of southern um and it's not just you know a football team it's not just you know the human jukebox but there's more to it so hopefully as a community we can build on this awesome weekend and no bigger winner I mean, his name, his last name, he gets with the letter W, with Scott Woolworth. Hope you enjoyed this podcast today, and please give it a like, five-star review, subscribe, all the good stuff, ring the bell, and obviously, we got to talk about actual football. Check out our film studies on Jane Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer from this game. It'll all be posted. Power Hour LSU, okay? It is the PHL Podcast, baby. Bye! And tonight... Ooh, some deep dish pizza. Let's 